Well, as I said, mine is from Hebrews 4.14, focusing on the latter part of the verse, let us hold fast our profession or confession. I'll be, all my stuff will be from New King James Version, which it uses the word confession. And when you, when you go up and read some of the com commentaries, some of them just say profession means confession. And so, but uh, Hebrews 4.14 is, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So we've talked a little bit about hold fast, and that's from Strong's Word 2902. And it is to use strength, seize, or retain, literal or figurative, keep, lay, hand, Hold on, obtain, retain, take by. It just simply means hold on tight or grab with a firm grip and don't let go. And so this confession that we make, that we have, we need to hold on tight, really tight. And then our, our is a, it's one of those words that's in italics and it's inserted in there. And of course, our is a plural, possess a pronoun and it fits real well with what um, profession or confession means. And it comes from the, the Greek word, a strong number, 3671, properly a conclusion embraced by common confession. So that's why that common confession is uh, the our confession, because we all should have the same confession. We should all have the same profession. We should all be united around this. We should all speak and teach and talk the same manner about this you know a lot of times you know a lot of people in the christendom they they gather and and surround themselves around we're going to be unified in our sincerity everything you just believe as long as you're sincere we're all that's okay we'll all unite we'll meet once together around christmas or we'll meet around easter and we'll do something all together and, you know, we all believe different things about this or that, but, you know, we'll all we'll be united as one. We're all going to the same place, although we believe different things. And so, and, um, and a lot of times, if you look at the, the entire religious world outside of Christendom, you look at all, all the different types of religion and, and belief system. I used to have a T-shirt back when I was in college that I got from the, the House of Blues. And it said university and diversity in the back of my t-shirt. And uh, in the back of that t-shirt, and it just had every religion that you could think of. I don't know if all of them, but it just had them all on there from, from Christianity to Jewish to Muslim to Hindu and on and on. It had all of this and this, just this un unity. And, uh, and, you know, when we think of unity, you know, maybe... It's a, it's a call for everybody to get along is what, essentially what the shirt is, but there's no way a bunch of people with extremely different ideas in religion can truly be united. It's just a false. It's, it's just impossible. If we want to look at a, a big religion and then, we, then when we look at it in Christianity itself and the church itself, we all need to be united together. But first, we need to be united with the word of God. We cannot be united just to be united. We have to be have a ground, something that we're all united around. And if we're not united around the word of God, why are we united at all? So we see in the church to where 
we'll have we'll go to congregation down the road and they're going to be they may teach something that is in completely an error and they're all united around it but they're not united with god because it's contrary to the doctrine the gospel the confession it's contrary to the confession of the first century what they were teaching then and so unity for unity's sake is not what we should have common ground on our common ground should be on truth the scripture and that's what we should be united that should be our common our common confession so we're talking about this you know keep going if we can go back to ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 you know that's the one we're going to get into the ones of of, of the church and then i therefore the prisoner of the lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called with all lowliness and gentleness with long suffering bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all there is one of each of these there's just one so this plurality of diversity in all religions there's not several there's one there's only one way there's only one god there's only one faith one confession one thing that we all teach and surround about you know when we're looking at the denominational world i grew up i grew up in the southern baptist church mornings every day doors were open we were there every time we didn't we didn't take breaks kind of same thing i teach my kids now is we don't miss church for sporting events you know that was my family that was my grandparents it wasn't all my cousins but some of my cousins were the same way but um that's just how how we were but you know they take the, the verse jesus said i am the vine you you are the branches and so they would take the branches and say well this is the catholics this is the methodists this is are the lutherans these are the baptists these are the assembly of god and on and on they, they named every one of these branches but we know by your fruits you shall know them and so the fruits of the baptists are going to be different from the fruits of the methodists the teachings are all different so if christ is this vine christ is going to produce the same fruit his vines are going to produce the same fruit so those same fruits those, so those vines are just individuals and it's fruit and are all the same they're all common with each other and so when we're talking about when we're dealing with these kind of things and the oneness the ones there's one vine there are branches but these branches are all similar and we know if these branches don't produce they will wither away they'll be cut off and so if we are not producing the right fruit we are no longer going to be a part of the vine we're going no longer going to be christ and so that's the the oneness so confession and profession you know we're going to talk mostly about that a lot of we've talked about hold fast and the, but we're like this confession this profession that, that we discuss we've got to hold on to it tight we've got to grab hold of it and hang on that's what we're talking about here and so and then i told chuck when i was talking about his dark glasses a while ago i told him to come in i said you're wearing those dark glasses and i'm going to talk in a monotone voice the whole time to make sure you fall asleep but uh i'll try not to but I, I can tend to do that but i may slap the podium every once in a while to keep keep you awake now a conclusion embrace by a common confession 
So this same word that we're talking about here, the, the, the strong word 3671 appears in five other verses, and that is 2 Corinthians 9, 13, 1 Timothy 6, 12 through 13, Hebrews 3, 1, and then Brother Bill will be discussing Hebrews 10, 23 in a later lesson. So I'm not going to read that one. I'll, let, I'll leave that, that to Bill, but um, he may hit on some of these verses too. But 2 Corinthians 9, 13, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and with them and all men. So that obedience, hold fast, staying true to that confession. First Timothy 6, 12 through 13, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Hebrews 3.1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So this confession or profession, or profession it is more than just confessing Jesus as Lord alone. Now we look, look at the, the Ethian, you know, and that's a, usually the unit when we say hear, believe, repent, confess, and be, be baptized. You know, we, we go, and one of the verses we'll talk about is the Ethan unit. And he said, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And he said, yes, I believe that he's the Son of God. And so it is more than just saying that. And it is more as uh, that we see me growing up in the denominational world. It's more than saying, I accept Jesus as my, my Savior. That's often the thing, just or just a belief that he exists. It is so much more. But I'm going to break it down into three segments, and I'm not going to break it down in all of them because essentially our confession is the New Testament. And But I'm going to break it down into three segments. And part of it, first one I'm going to talk about is fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. And then after that, continuing that same thought, fulfillment of the old law, and followed by the new covenant. The new covenant with better promises than the old covenant. So, fulfillment of the Old Testament. So, in Isaiah 7:14, we're going to be told about he would be born of a virgin. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that is fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. So, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child. And bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then we look over, and he would inherit an everlasting kingdom. We've got a few verses for that. We'll start with 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 13. When your days are fulfilled, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And then Psalm 89, 29, his seed also I will make in, to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. And Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom 
to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from the time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And then Daniel 7:27. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people and the saints of the Most High. This kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion, all dominions shall serve and obey him. And then we find it being fulfilled starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And then 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And then 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So in our part of our confession is that Jesus Christ established an everlasting kingdom as, pro as was in prophecy. Then also we find that he would proclaim the good news to the poor. Isaiah 61.1 The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. Then we find that fulfilled in Matthew chapter 11, verse 5. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Then we find that in Isaiah 35, 5 through 6, that he would offer physical healing. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb sing, for water shall birth forth in the wilderness and streams in the deserts. Then we have Luke, we saw that already in Matthew eleven five, and also in Luke chapter 7, verse 22. Jesus answered, said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, in Zechariah 9, verse 9, he would ride on a donkey. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Fulfilled in Matthew 21, 5 through 11. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is the highest. And then Christ would be betrayed. Zechariah 11, 12 through 13. Then I said to them, If it is agreeable to you, give me my wages. And if not, refrain. So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter. That pricely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potter. And then it's fulfilled in Matthew 26, 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. And then 
We have that he would provide atonement for sin. We find that in Isaiah chapter 53, 5 through 12. We read that oftentimes during um, the Lord's Supper, so I'm not going to read through it all, all this time. But it is fulfilled. Romans chapter 5, 6 through 8. For when we were still without strength, in due times, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We find out in Luke 24, 44, transitioning to our next point. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So he is going to, he's fulfilled the written law of Moses. So the next few points we're going to make is what comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think I can, came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Romans 8, th verses 3 through 5. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in him, in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So one of the things that we learn in this about his kingdom is one of the things that we learn from this verse itself. When we think about his kingdom that he has established already that was prophesied that he would establish we think about it the world at that time when he came they were expecting and he fit he fit the time period he fit the prophecy of daniel he came at the right time he came when when that when the book as zachariah as, as daniel was saying as daniel was prophesied in the book of daniel he came during uh, the roman period right when he was supposed to right when it was prophesied he'd be in there but what everybody missed, what everybody was not ready for, they were wanting an earthly, everlasting kingdom. They were searching for an earthly, everlasting kingdom. But that human, humanity, mankind, nature, the world the way it spins, all laws of nature would have to change in order for that to happen. Because Christ would have to live on this earth forever. In order to have that everlasting kingdom, he would have to be here forever. Could God have done it that way? Yes. Was that his plan? No. His plan was to have an everlasting kingdom, but that everlasting kingdom is spiritual. It is spiritual. That's why we need to keep our minds more on spiritual matters rather than fleshly matters. Because this earth is going to vanish away. It's going to perish. Everything in it, everything on it is going to vanish. And so we need to keep our minds on these spiritual manners. But also keep in this, I like going back to the same, same uh, book, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 18. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, 
with greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of, the, of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is a mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the in eternal inheritance. For where there is a statement, there must also have necessity to be a death of the testator. For a testament is in the force after men are dead, since it is no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. Christ died. He fulfilled the law. He is the testator that had to die in order for there to be a new covenant. The, to fulfill the old covenant, Christ had to die. In order to have that new covenant, that new testament, that new book of law, the new rules, the new promises, Christ had to die. He was his testator. He walked on this earth. He lived on this earth. He did it perfectly. He did it without sin. He did it without error. And, uh, and while he did so, a man lived a perfect life and was a sacrifice for us so that we and those who lived righteously before Christ had an opportunity to receive the eternal inheritance of that everlasting kingdom that was promised, that has been promised, and that is now fulfilled. And then Christ is that high priest. Now we look at Hebrews, most of the book of Hebrews is talking about, a lot of the book of Hebrews is talking about Christ being the high priest. So that is part of our confession. That is part of what we teach. And I'm not going to talk about, like I said before, not the whole New Testament because there's a lot more than what I want to talk about. But there's an understanding that we have when we are Christians on what or we need to have when we hold tight that confession. So in this confession, we are holding fast. We live under a new covenant. In this covenant, who has authority under the new covenant? Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Why? Because Jesus is the great high priest. Hebrews 4.14, our lesson. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Not a priest like Aaron, because Jesus passed through the heavens. Aaron died. Aaron didn't rise from the dead. He died. Jesus functions as a high priest, and he functions as a high priest at the right hand of God in heaven since he, since he, he arose, since he rose, he reigns today, and he'll reign there forever. So Jesus... Based on Hebrews chapter 9 and another thing that I read, read, he has the authority because he was offered for us. He was the testator. 
he died, and then he rose from the dead. And then Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Our authority is from Christ. And he told them to teach all things, to observe all things I have commanded you. Not some of the things, not most of the things, but all things. We can't be selective and say, well, this might offend this person over here because someone in their family is committing this sin. So I'm not going to talk about that because they may cause an uproar in the church. I may not talk a bit about this because of this or because of that. When there is sin, when there is error, it has to be taught. Or you're causing yourself to be in danger. You're causing the individual themselves to be in danger. And you're causing the whole, the entire church to be in danger because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It spreads, it grows, it keeps going. He does this, I'm doing this. Why isn't he getting in trouble? Why I'm getting in trouble? We're doing the same thing. They sit right next to each other in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or Galatians chapter 6 where we get on the list, list of sins to do not do. Pretty easy, easy things to point out. This person gets away with it, so I'm going to do this other thing. I'm not doing that, but it's about the same. Don't pick on me, they're getting away with it. So sin just spreads. So when we hold that confession, when we're talking about it, we've got to think about how we live our lives. So what are some, so when we go out, we, we're not selective on who we go out to. We have to think about these men that he talked about in this verse, they, they, were, they were Jews. And the Jews had an idea that only us are going to go to heaven. And so the first century, you know, they had to be taught of it. Go out to all nations. All nations need to have the opportunity to be saved. All people. So we have to go out. Sometimes we make us uncomfortable. They were uncomfortable. They were stoned. They were beaten. But they went ahead. They went out. Because they had the good confession. They knew what it was. They understood what it was. And so what are the types of things that, that we teach? That we need to be the same. And if other people are different, either if there are two contrasting opinions, somebody is wrong. When we're talking about spiritual matters, if we got two things, we're talking about salvation. If you got one group saying, you don't have to be baptized. Another group says you have to be baptized. Or they both, or this person that says you have to be baptized, both say you're baptized. One say you have to pour. The other one say, well, it's spiritual baptism. You know, they have conflicting interests. They have contracting beliefs on what's being being said. This one sprinkles. This one sprinkles baptism. This one believes in spiritual baptism of no water source. They both believe in baptism. Are they both right? No. Are they both wrong? It's one right. No. They're both wrong. So when we have two conflicting ideas, that doesn't make one right and one wrong. They both could be wrong, but we know they both can't be right. And so we have this idea of people teaching the idea when talking about salvation, you know, unity in, in 
diversity or or unity in sincerity. As long as you're sincere, that's fine, although they conflict. So it, two people can't be right on, on baptism, and they, but they both can be wrong. And so and, and when we're talking and we go out and, and, and we teach on one matter or another and saying, well, one of us ha has to be right. That's not true. We need to make sure that we're right. We need to make sure that we're teaching the gospel. Because there's a lot of teachings in the church today that are wrong. There are a lot of things that are taught wrong. A lot of them have roots that I've seen growing up in the denominational world. Things that I saw in the 90s in the denominational world are, are seen in the church today. And so, you know, a lot of times we, we focus on getting people in the door. And we quit focusing on growing personal spiritual growth and then we get preachers that come in and teach things and you can teach things and elderships that aren't probably qualified to be elders and somebody talked about that a couple i think it was a wednesday night i, I don't or sunday night maybe it was chuck talking about you know making people elders just because they're good at business but they're not good at scripture they don't know scripture so we've got to be careful about who we put in teaching positions, who we put in deacons and eldership roles, who we put, who, who people are preachers, who we allow pe people to preach on this pulpit. That's why we, we, we send out the questionnaires to before we allow people outside of the congregation to preach. Because, you know, you will hear a, a few good lessons from a person that are, 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 are spot on sound. But you start asking them some questions and you find out that on some other stuff, they're, they're not there. They're, they, they teach error. They believe error. And so, and then you can find people that, that will answer the question however you want because they, they need a job. They're a preacher and they want to preach. And so they'll make sacrifices to get a job because they're coming out of a preaching school. They haven't had a job yet. Or they, they moved into town because of a, one reason or another. And so they're, they're, they're searching to give you the right answer because they need a job. That's not who we need doing leadership roles in the church. And so and when we were talking about the, what our confession, what surrounds our confession is sin. What is sin? What is right and wrong? I see this knowledge that we should all have and grow as we grow, continue to learn, and continue to get better at. And... You know, and then when we talk about the church, the church is the bride of Christ. It was purchased with his blood. It is his kingdom. It is his body. And he is the head. And as the head, he has put in, put in place the, the roles of the church, how it is, how it is organized, um, the, the, the type of person that is fulfilled those roles, and the gender to fill those roles. And uh, I haven't seen this, but I, somebody told me the other day that they had saw where a congregation somewhere was putting women in, in, the, in the roles of, as deacons. And we know the qualification. One of the qualifications of a deacon is they have to be a man and they have to be married to a woman. We have to say that now. But, and and you'll, see, you'll see those types of things as well coming in into the church in areas. 
We've already seen mechanical instruments. They, 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 they slipped in. They're, they're in several places that call themselves the church. And you'll, you'll, you'll see people who will not teach proper doctrine on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Uh, you'll probably have several members in the, in the church that are living together in an unscriptural manner. You'll find fornication prevalent in many areas. And you'll have people in congregations that will say, we have a difference in religious belief practicing. And I've heard these things. I've heard these things from direct people to where uh, a, a guy and a girl were dating in the church and they broke up because they had religious differences. Both of them supposedly members of the church. How, how do you have that? There's not a oneness in that congregation that being taught. That is the kind of things that we find in what, what the, the denominational world will call non-denominational. Non-denominational churches aren't really non-denominational. They're interdenominational. Believe whatever you want. And that's where you'll have a whole bunch of people in the audience that came from a Baptist background or came from a Pentecostal background or a Catholic background, and they will be holding on to those teachings over here and over here, and there'll be a guy in the, in the center preaching saying it's okay to believe all these different things as long as you are sincere in your heart. But that, that's not what Scripture teaches. All one, all the same. And the other thing that we'll find, and we've already kind of touched on a little bit, is the acts of worship. You know, we have five acts of worship that performed on the first day of week. And, um, and we, we know that we've seen that some people will want to do some of those because the congregation is too big or people don't like to work, wake up Sunday mornings. They rarely come out Saturday evening and perform the Lord's Supper. And, and giving, they'll take, they'll take giving on any day of the week. They'll have a gospel meeting during the week, and they'll probably even pass around the collection plate like they did in the denominational world, taking money. But we give on the first day of the week. We take the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. That is what's authorized in the New Testament, so that's what we do. See, we already talked about, and then, you know, the role is in the family. The husband has a role. The wife has a role. The children have a role. And a lot of times those get mixed and twisted around. And then we've, we've already just talked, talked a little bit about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And then one of the things that, that we need to do all individually is we, we've got to live faithfully and live faithfully daily. Not when it's convenient. Not when it's easy. Not when everybody around us are faithful. We have to make those faithful things, sayings, and practices, make those tough choices uh, during the week when we're at work, when we're at t-ball practice, when we're handling our, our kids' birthday parties. You know, we, I grew up a lot, and it was, and and it got hammered on us as kids who our peer group was, who we hung out with what kind of influence they were on us. But as I've gotten older and as I've gotten as an adult, it's just the same for us too. It's the same people. 
It worse. It's worse. It's like innocent while you're a kid, adult. It doesn't matter anymore. You're, you've reached 21 years old. It doesn't matter. But we're adults. Who we associate with? What kind of events do we go to? What do we watch on television? All those different things. The same things that I was told as a kid, as an adult, and, and more than what I knew as a kid. Um, I see the same, same peer pressures in the adult world that we had as kids, but worse. Can be worse. That's that, 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 that peer pressure, I've seen it. It's like, come on, come out with us. Come on. Like, no, I'm not going out. People quit asking me. It was, it was easy. Because they didn't him haw about it. Let your yeas be yay, your noes be no. And you're like, no, it's wrong. They ask you a few more times, and eventually, like, they're fine with it. They respect it. Do they always? I'm not going to say it always happens. I'm not going to say it's going to happen for you. But if you're making all these excuses why you can't, or why you shouldn't, or I, I don't have time, you're lying. We talked about that on Wednesday. But let your yes be yes, your no be no. Like, no, it's a sin. I'm not going to the bar with you. Well, you can just hang out with us. Like, no, I don't. Stay away from every appearance of evil. Those things happen at adults. You work in the world. You work in it. You know, Doyle works at Whirlpool. I don't know how it is in his world at Whirlpool, but I imagine he's, he hears some, some bad words in that place. You work in the construction world, you hear bad words. You work in the oil field, you hear bad words. You work in about any industry, you're going to hear bad words. You're going to hear bad jokes. You're going to hear all these, these things. And you just have to refrain from it. Sometimes you might sit by yourself at lunch, which is fine by me. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, I mean, we as adults have to set the example for our children, one, for the, that example, but also for our own souls, for our own spirits. What is our confession? What do we profess to be? Who do we profess to be like? We have to take all those things in consideration when we're saying that we're going to hold fast to that good confession. You know, sometimes we can get real on fire, get real on fire to do the right thing. And we got to hold on to that. We got to keep doing that. We got to hold on to that type, that, that profession, that confession. And it is, it is a lot. It's not just saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. You know, the demons believe in Jesus Christ. Not only do they believe, they trembled in fear. How many people do we see in the world that say, I believe in Jesus Christ? They confess that he is their savior. But the sins they commit, the things that they say, the words they use, we can see it with athletes. You see, if you ever watch athletes, they'll, they'll go, they'll do the thing on the chest, they'll point to the sky and say, I did that in the name of the Lord. But their actions speak completely different. They have no fear of God. The demons had fear of God. They're not going to heaven. And just because we go around saying, I believe in God. He's my Savior. He died for the sins of the world. If we're just saying that, and we're not doing everything else we're supposed to, if we're not unified with the truth of the Bible first, 
we're in just as much trouble as the demons were. So that's going to wrap up the lesson that I had this evening, this morning, and um, we'll I'm not, and we'll be led in the, the closing prayer.